Well, it's that time. It's the Nate Taylor Show. Jay Binkley with Nate Taylor before he gets out to Los Angeles. 39-point win like yesterday, uh, Nate. Pretty good stuff for the Chiefs, huh? <laughs> uh, this is exactly ga- like we said. This, this is the game everybody wanted part two, right? I mean, I feel like uh, a few weeks ago we said, hey, that's, that's the best the Chiefs have played all year. And wouldn't you know it, teams that are true championship contenders – do not let a subpar opponent dictate the action, make it close. They just come out and dominate. And wouldn't you know, from the opening snap, Jay, the Las Vegas Raiders were never in it. No, they weren't. And not only that, but the uh, you know the whole storyline that went around because is it nonsense or not? But they stepped on the uh, on the logo on the middle of the field before mm-hmm. the game. And all the Chiefs, they did, well, not all of them, but a lot of them took offense to it because as soon as they got back to their phones <laughs> after the game. That's what I said. That as soon as the game. They had so- fun with it. Three, two, one. All Tweet. right, where's my phone? There you go. <laughs> How fast? Well, uh, let me let me say, hey, man, good seeing you. Uh, hey, stay stay healthy. You know, uh, you know, see you down the road. <laughs> uh, we used to play in college. Hey, you're one of the best at, at my position, you know. Uh do we want to swap jerseys? Yes, no. Okay. Have I have I fulfilled my post game obligations on the field? Where are my phone at? Because <laughs> what they do. Um. Uh, now, you know, Jay. One of the best parts of being a reporter in the sports world is asking a question that you already know the answer to, and the subject, i.e., in this case, the players of the Kansas City Chiefs, knowing the answer to the question. But we all have to go through the semantics of oh, I didn't know until what? Yeah. They, they knew. I, they you know, knew. I, they I, I didn't I didn't know until I got in the locker room and I said, what they do in the field? Yeah. Oh yeah. no. But you know who did who did acknowledge it after the game? The Chiefs most important player, Patrick Mahomes said it gave us gave us a little bit of give motivation. Give a little something, something. Motivation. But you know what? Not all the Raiders thought it was a good idea. Not all the Derek you, Carr. I would hope so. He said I'm just supporting my teammates. <laughs> but linebacker KJ Wright used to be with the yes. Seahawks, you know, and everything. Yeah. He was him after the game. KJ, a lot of people are upset, uh, I guess, on their side about the pregame when you guys met on uh, midfield on their logo. Is that all overblown as part of a rivalry, or is that something that you guys regret? Who's upset? Uh, people from the, the Chiefs. And- yeah. <laughs> Who's upset? Yeah, um, <laughs> sure, I would have been upset too if I was them. You know, anybody that comes there and do that, and um, they definitely came out and responded. You know, he was that, like, he's like, yeah, we would have been upset no, we too. We so he finally got it. What did he ask me? And he says, yeah, I would have been upset too. <laughs> Richard Dacio said the same thing. Hey, we'd have been upset too. But they, they said, you know, disrespecting the field like that. But mm-hmm. there's some players that did get it, I think. But he said the Chiefs responded. Yes, which they 100 percent absolutely responded. Uh, well, I don't know if they respond to that. They just like beating the Raiders, obviously. Yeah. They had their uh, well, second complete game since that Raiders game. But uh, yeah, and, and this the, game was over from the from, from, from first play. Yes, the first play. I mean, two things, Jay. Um, you know, we're not geniuses. We are not employed by an NFL owner to coach NFL players. But last year, did, did no one on the Raiders realize that the Chiefs would already be motivated because of what occurred a year ago when the Chief, when the Chiefs you mean this? The wheels yeah. on the bus go round and round, round and round, round and round. And obviously the Chiefs didn't forget about that moment you're talking about because they played this after the game <laughs> right after the, over again, the speaker. Again, three, two, one, hit the track. <laughs> ah! I, I just, it, and so that's that's the first part. 
And, and, and besides, she was on the staff, right? Derek Carr was still the quarterback. Yeah. Josh Jacobs was still on the team. Uh, Darren Waller did not play, but, I mean, he could have told somebody in a meeting. Like, yeah, hey. Like, the Chiefs are going to forget about this. Man, they're going to be cool <sighs> about it. Uh, I mean, I mean, it's not the most storied rivalry I poke the bear, Nate. Why don't you be at a picnic with your family and take that peanut butter sandwich I'll, over and put it in the bear's okay. mouth? Smack it on the nose. <laughs> because you know what you're asking for. Let, let's, let's give them the benefit of the doubt, Jay. Let, let's say perhaps it slipped their mind. To my second point, if you're going to put your cleats on your arch rival's logo, what you cannot have happen is you fumbled a ball on no. the first snap. No. Once once Jacobs did that, yeah. everybody should have looked at him and said, We but we just we just told everybody to get upset at us. And and now you fumble on the opening snap. Now it was a great play by Jaron Reed. Because he forced him to the sideline and then used his hands to, to swipe at the ball. And Johnny on the spot was Mike Hughes, who was never touched for the touchdown. But um, I don't think I've ever been – I don't think I've ever covered a game, high school, college, or pro J, where one team before tip-off, first puck drop, kickoff, of course, hey, we're here. We're going to do this. We're, we're, we're going to make ourselves – look at us. Everybody in here, look, look at us. I've never been a part of a of a game where teams does that, and on the and the first bit of action, just like, yep, that was a bad decision. Maybe it's just silly. They'd lost four of their five games. It's not like they came in as this, you know, this juggernaut that was right. undefeated or had one loss. And like, <laughs> we're gonna show these guys because if you're gonna do that, you got to be about it. Like, if you're gonna do that, you got to mm-hmm. be about it. But I was fine with it. I mean, they poked the they poked the Chiefs a little bit. The Chiefs yes. uh, responded accordingly. But I think it was fun too, Nate, because you know we had these arguments last week. Is it the Chiefs? Is it the Broncos? Who's the rival? Yesterday showed who it is. Mm-hmm. It's the Raiders. John Stenerud was on with Mitch Holtis a little yes. bit earlier. Talked about the Raiders. I brought, brought this up before. They packed their bags, thinking they're going to the Super Bowl. Yon <laughs> uh, brought it up. I've talked to Mike Garrett about it and other Chiefs. I mean, historically, that's the Raiders. Like, the Broncos don't pull this crap. Nope. They, they might. Who knows what they're going to do in the future. But I think that they haven't done this. And not only that, but the Chargers, who the Chiefs play this Thursday night, and we'll get in that game. Once they beat the Chiefs, they didn't really do it either. Like they were actually, like I, I noted that on the post game show, like how business like they were, yes. knowing that they're going to see, see this them, team yeah, down the later road. down the road. So exactly, it's just uh, interesting how different teams handle. But Andy Reid now thirty four and six in this division since two thousand and fifteen against the Chargers. They won seven of the last ten, twelve of the last fifteen games against the Chargers. But it was thirty nine points, the most lopsided victory over the Raiders in a sixty two year history. Uh, Nate, and we'll get to that defense in just a minute because they're doing some incredible things. But the Chiefs, I mean, Nate, you and I were here when they were three and four, mm-hmm. and we'd wondered. I, I told you, I, and I know Good Morning Football was talking about this this morning too. I said, I don't know if the Chiefs are back. Everybody's saying the Chiefs are back. Like, I'm not sure they ever went anywhere. Mm-hmm. I think they hibernated for a while. I think they went dormant for a while. I, I know this has always been there. Like, this town, that, that's the defense what they we were, saw in What they were Joe. fully capable of. That's yes. what we saw in St. Joe. And yes. I remember coming on with Carrington. I'd come on with them every Tuesday, and I'd say, man, I love this defense, man. I think this has a chance to be the best defense that we've seen with Andy Reid. I know Bob Sutton had some good scoring defense. Yes, but early I said, on, right. The tenacity, the way this team plays, I think it's the best defense he's had here. And then four weeks in, he's like, all right, where's that crow? Go ahead and give me the sauce, and I'll eat it because I've been talking about and bloviating about this defense being good. But, Nate, you've seen this team inside and out. and I mean, they played more football than any team in this league for three years. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're going to have those down – Trodden times. And again, I think we can look back at it, Nate. The fumbles, the, you know, the drop passes, yes. the things that have plagued this team. Well, 
they're back to even now, which was in, a in terrible the, yeah, in the plus minus margin. ratio, but yeah. now they're even. But are they figuring things out at the right time with this winning streak? They, they really have, and it's a credit to both the players and the coaching staff because I thought Mahomes was as precise as he could be in yesterday's game. Um, you're seeing guys who have defined roles now, which is always tough early in the season because what you see in training camp is a little bit of experimentation. There's a chance for you to sort of uh, go ones versus ones, but obviously there are no injuries to sort of, you know, try to get through. Um, but now you're seeing guys in defined roles. I mean, uh, Jaron Reed has gotten better as the season goes along, and he is now a real threat in the middle alongside Chris Jones. Uh, Mike Hughes, who came over in a small trade. Which, by the way, I was surprised that he had more snaps. Because everybody said, well, he's fine now that he's inside. Chris Jones had more snaps than defensive in yesterday. Yes. 23, mm-hmm. 16 on the inside. So, yeah. whenever I hear the narrative, well, they moved Chris Jones inside. Well, he's still playing outside a lot. And this week, it was finally flipped where he's outside more than he's inside. Yeah, and, and I think part of that is because Jaron Reed is, is still being a force on the interior along with Derek Nottie. Uh Tershawn Wharton had some great snaps over the last two weeks. Um, so they have a fully rotation of defensive linemen who are executing their jobs very, very well. I asked Alex Okafor earlier today just how you get into a rhythm as a pass rush unit because um, one of the best plays, even though the game was well decided by then, was Alex Okafor's, you know, basically uh, dislodging the football from the quarterback uh, that led to the turnover. It was an angry hit. Just I like, love the violence that yeah. they're displaying. Yeah. I mean, and that. Melvin and, Ingram brought the, mm-hmm. brought the bang. This, this, you know where I was headed. You know, the the intensity, the tenacity, and the execution is at its highest mark right now. And we're not talking about drops this week, Jay. They are, and this is so hard to do in a season. And turnovers. Game. Yes. They're, 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 they're minimizing their weaknesses with each win in this Winning streak. This is six straight games now. Uh, each week it gets a little bit bigger, right? Because, hey, you know, we thought we were going to get the Packers with Aaron Rodgers. Okay, well, now you're going to get the Raiders in a primetime game when the Raiders at that point look to be formidable. Uh, okay, now you got the Dallas Cowboys, who at the time had the number one scoring offense in the league. Uh, now you've won your divisional home games, which leads all of this to the toughest test yet, which is the Los Angeles Chargers on the road on a short week, but from the start of the winning streak against the New York Giants, which on this show I described as the longest week of the season because they were three and four. Everyone was doubting them outside of their own facility for whatever, uh, you know, however they want to sort of describe it for themselves. Uh, but we had our doubts, and I said it was going to be the longest week of the season, not just because you're playing on Monday night, just because you're going to hear so much negativity about how they had played so far. And from the winning streak on, they've they've gotten better and better because they've they've minimized their weaknesses. The turnovers are not an issue anymore. The drops, even though they led the league in three Sunday, were not a cr- critical part of the game yesterday. Uh, the pass rush was such an issue. Well, they shored that up before the trade deadline, and now they're one of the best four man pass rushes in the league. I mean, they they their secondary who was plagued by. The worst stretch of Daniel Sorensen's career. Well, now Daniel Sorensen has his role. He's played it fine. Juan Thornhill has gotten better as the season's gone along. And Tyron Matthews. He played 90% of the stabs here today. Nobody said a word. No one said a word. <laughs> because they're just out there getting turnovers. Mike Hughes is out here punching the ball. Even without LeJarius Sneed, 
uh, for the reason he was out of the game, you know, the, yeah. the, the, the tragic loss of, of his older brother, um, they still have enough guys on defense to get the job done. And they've seen everything, both on offense and defenses, that teams have tried to show them so far. They've adjusted to it well. That's a credit to the coaching staff. And now you look at this roster, if it stays relatively healthy, where are the weaknesses? You got to go out and beat them. And that'll be the test for the for the Chargers where, you know, they got four turnovers, credit to them in the in the, in the the first matchup. Yeah. But in the rematch, uh, you're facing a much better Chiefs team. It's much different. And uh, we'll get into I want to talk about luxurious need here in a second on the next segment. But uh, one thing to mention, Josh Gordon on the reserve, reserve COVID-19 list. It's affecting the Chargers too. Rashawn Slater, yes. the outstanding rookie left tackle, is on this list as well. By reading, you know, from the Chargers, he must be vaccinated because if he he's positive or yes. negative the next two days, he can play in that game. Correct. Um, what's is the same status with Josh Gordon as far as yes. like two more tests has to be twenty four hours apart. Yes, and then he could play. But you mentioned Aaron Rodgers; there was a COVID deal. It sounds like I mean the NFL's got an issue at this point because. 37 guys went on the COVID list today. That's the highest since they instituted the list in 2020. Yes. And more than September and October combined. The teams are going to find this. So if you want to start throwing asterisks to games or whatever, and you want to say, well, the Chiefs got lucky. Well, guess what? This this is happening in the NFL so much. So the Tier 1 and Tier 2 staff, which includes the coaches, GMs, those kind of things. Yep. Not, the trainers, players, yeah, not the players. Not the players. Trainers, equipment guys, yeah. They have mm-hmm. to take the booster. It's, it's a mandated thing at this point. And if you're not six months, you can wait six months, but you have to do it 14 days within that time. But the bottom line is, is it's like cross your fingers again. Like, I feel we're going to cross mm-hmm. your fingers stage again because yeah. it's starting to affect the Jalen Ramsey tonight on Monday Night Football. Same issue in the protocol, the Chargers had a situation with Mike Williams. Keenan Allen's still on that list. Yes. And Chris Harris. So, interesting thing to keep an eye on in the NFL. When we come back, take a look at some of these numbers this defense is putting up. And and I loved all the tributes to Legereus Sneed yesterday uh, from the players. We discussed that next. You're listening to The Nate Taylor Show, Monday nights at 7, on your official broadcast partner of the Kansas City Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio. physical game. I just go out and it's a legal way to be violent. Melvin Ingram, man of a few words, did you enjoy that press conference? You guys, <laughs> you guys were trying hard, man. Like you all were trying hard to get Melvin to say something. And he wasn't, he wasn't about to play that game, though. He wasn't. No, he wasn't. Um, it was all about business, but uh, I, I love the questions, though, because I, I was like, heard the first couple, I was like, all right, Melvin's giving the one-word answer deal. Who's yeah. going to get the most out of Melvin? Well, but I, I liked it. I liked it though. I yeah, because that is rubbing off. Spags talked about it. Yeah, that attitude that playing violent. Mm-hmm. We know the, on the offense, Trey Smith's got some of that Creed Humphrey. Yep. You, you know the words used to be assimilated with this team, Nate. It was finesse, mm-hmm. soft because they were you know lead you to zoom, throw the right. ball down the field, and teams felt they could come in and be physical and beat them up. Yep, a lot of teams felt like when they played Manning, we would just mm-hmm. be physical and beat them up. But you don't hear those terms anymore because they're like the bully in the room now. Yeah, they're they're winning on the line of scrimmage. The bully in the room on both sides. Um, look, Melvin Ingram has been a joy since he's been a part of this team. Uh, he's awesome, man. <laughs> Just because um, he's he's blunt, but he's very honest, and 
Yeah. Uh, I imagine that those that those meetings with him involved on the defensive side have just been – he just ignites them, but he's also got a lot of wisdom, which I sort of uh, tried to explain last week in one of my stories in The Athletic. But he's just – he's someone that, that, that understands that his time – uh, he's never quite been on a team like this, um, and I wish we could have. We almost got there with him. Where oh, it's he's like, having fun, man. Well, yeah, but it's like you know, he he was a part of some teams with Philip Rivers in San Diego slash L.A. where they were successful. They went to the postseason, um, but I think he realizes, you know, in year ten of his career, man, this is the best. This might be the best group I've been a part of, and we have a chance because they've already done it without me to to go back to the Super Bowl. So I want to. Make sure I, I I do my job, and uh, he looks like he's enjoying stuffing the run just as much as rushing the passer. And you uh, can't you can't say that a lot about a lot of guys who are known for their pass rushing skills. Is it fair that I make the comparison that he's he's Terrell Suggs with more on the field presence? Yes, because both of them had that respectability. Yes, both of them fit right in. Mm-hmm. Both of them are guys that that people went to to, to to figure out things in the yeah. league. What have you seen? Terrell Suggs working on guys' moves, pass rushing moves, bringing a notebook to the defensive meetings. They did it. Yep. Melvin kind of reminds me of some of the same things I heard when Terrell got here, except you're getting more on-the-field production yeah. with, it, with Melvin. But I see very similar uh, between those two. Obviously, Terrell Suggs is a Hall of Famer. He's got a yes. ring. That's different. Different playing stature. But I think respectability-wise, attitude-wise, both of them brought something to this team, both off the field, and Melvin's bringing a little bit more on. If you yeah, know. yeah. There, there, there are very, uh, there are easy comparisons and similarities because, you know, uh, at the end of the 2019 season, it was Alex Okafor who suffered a season-ending injury when he sacked Drew Locke uh, in that blowout win over the Denver Broncos, and then it just so happened to benefit the Chiefs that Terrell Suggs was, uh, I believe, waived by the Arizona Cardinals uh, in his first season with them. And the Chiefs claimed him on waivers, and he came right in and did a very serviceable job and kept that rotation going for Steve Spagnuolo's pass rush to where, you know, you had uh, one-on-one matchups that you could choose at your disposal for your best players at the time, being obviously Chris Jones and Frank Clark. Um, and yeah, in terms of hey, none of us have been at the Super Bowl, and then everybody turns their eyes to Terrell Suggs. Oh, you you you've been here. Yeah. You've won with. Ray Lewis and Ed Reed before. What's it like? What's Super Bowl week like? What should I prepare for? I mean, I think that played a huge role in how the guys planned and did their own sort of study, their own preparation for that game against the San Francisco 49ers. And you look this year, um, I kind of wrote it in a very fun manner, Jay, where I said, hey, you know, we've all played the game Tetris if you're of a certain age. You need that one piece. You need, to, you need to just, like, flip it a certain way and get it right and let it clear let it clear yep. out. Get more points. Give yourself more time. And, you know, God bless the Pittsburgh Steelers, but they, they let that piece fall through, and the Chiefs sort of turned it a certain yeah. way. And all of a sudden, as you know, we mentioned it before, where Chris Jones can play more inside and outside. He's not having to play just outside. Uh, Mike Dana, serviceable player, doesn't need to be a starter. Now he gets back into his more – uh, you know, successful role given his abilities right now as a second year player, and then all of a sudden with a you know a healthier Frank Clark and Chris Jones, all of a sudden that defensive line came together and it's it's that it's that exact piece you need at the exact time to sort of extend uh, where this team can go in the regular season. It obviously benefits the Chiefs that they got uh, a younger player 
and a player that they can use for more of these regular season games in Melvin Ingram. But what Terrell Suggs did for that group was 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 give them belief. And there's we all need it, Jay, in our lives, in our profession. Someone to give you words of affirmation. Someone to tell you that, hey, you, you guys are pretty good. Hey, you're on the right track. Because I've had success before elsewhere, and I've kind of seen it, and I've done it before. And, like, listen to me when I tell you, like, this will what this will lead you towards success because I see the talent that you have in front of you. And I think that meant a lot for uh, some of the younger guys, obviously Tershawn Wharton, Mike Dana, uh, even Jaron Reed, and obviously for those guys that have been to the Super Bowl, that have won their Super Bowl ring already, uh, it sort of re-motivates them because they're like, man, if Melvin can tell me all these things, I want to help him yeah. get a ring. I want to help him cement his own career uh, by joining us and – no one has to take the credit. We all just need to help each other get better and, and keep pressure on the quarterback. And just ask Derek Carr, because in two games, he's never felt comfortable. No, no, he hasn't. And this, this team also, Nate, they showed the, the defense giving up five touchdowns the last five games. It's insane what they're doing. Only seven since going back to week eight. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of it's the depth, you know, when guys being healthy. Mike Hughes, even the former first-round pick, he stepped. He played the best game yesterday, in my opinion. Mm. Two forced fumbles. Yes. He set the tempo for the game. Uh, he obviously was playing, you know, because Legereus Sneed wasn't. But uh, Tyron Matthew and many of the other players commented on Legereus Sneed. You could really tell how much he's liked in this locker room. But not only the coaches, uh, but the players as well. He he led the Chiefs in snaps defensively before mm-hmm. this. This was Tyron Matthew after the game. You know, anytime you know somebody lose somebody that close to him, you know, obviously, you know, I feel like most of us. You know, could relate to that, you know, losing people. Um, but, you know, uh, just wanted to play for him today, you know, his family. Um, and I felt like we did that. I thought we started the game with some luxurious energy. And so we kind of kept it going throughout the game. So there's many reasons why. I mean, we can look at the, the, you know, the stomping on the logo and things like that. But <laughs> a big part of it was playing for luxurious needs. Because yes. it was Mahomes talking about it, Andy Reid talked about it. Uh, the enemy talked uh, about it uh, today. So did Spags. I mean, all the coaches basically made a comment, you know, about the you know the players on offense would, would, would still. Mahomes helped him get a a plane yes. back to Louisiana. So the offensive players were involved in this too because they cared so much about Legereus Sneed. But the whole team, offense, defense, didn't matter. They wanted to play for Sneed. Yeah, and I gotta say, every time we've talked to Legereus Legereus Sneed, we learn a little bit more about him from a personality standpoint. Um, he loves football. Uh, you know, sometimes the coaches say that about a player, and you're like, I really would like to learn it for myself and get a feel for it. Um, but Legereus is very hardworking. Um, he's added a role this year where he's been both a nickel corner and he's played outside some. Uh, he was obviously playing the best football of his career, in my opinion, uh, before what happened Friday night. And, and it's just it's, – it's so sad because, um, you know, we all – love our family members. Um, and Legereus was, you know, just someone that uh, was easy to relate to because his brother, uh, who unfortunately passed away, um, it's been reported down in Louisiana that uh, he was killed in a single stabbing incident in his back on Friday night. Uh, it's of my understanding that Legereus learned of this, uh, depending on your perspective, very, very late, Friday night or early morning Saturday, uh, the team was made aware about it, uh, you know, during the team's walkthrough on Saturday. And then, of course, uh, with the help of his teammates, 
Uh, Annie Reed alluded to the organization helping other family members uh, fly back down to Louisiana uh, to grieve together uh, alongside with Patrick Mahomes getting him a, a private jet in the Kansas City area for Legarius. And, you know, when you work with somebody, you do get to learn about them beyond just your profession. And this is the case for Legarius, and um, it speaks to the bond that this team has always sort of had under Andy Reid, right? They always sort of – they always tend to get better as the season goes along. They, they learn each other. There's a reason they go to St. Joe uh, beyond just, hey, we got to <laughs> do training camp. But we – you know, but Andy's very clear about learning who your teammates are, uh, learning who is important to them in their lives. Um, I never met Legarius's brother, uh, but I knew he attended several games, including this season, to watch his to watch his brother. And um, for the Chiefs to make it clear uh, that they wanted to uh, honor the Snead name uh, in this way, uh, it's the best they could do under just very difficult circumstances. Uh, we've all been a part of trying to help someone grieve presenting sorrow and our condolences. Um, but life goes on as well, and the best we can do is try to honor them the best way possible. And so for them to to perform the way they did, uh, to mention him throughout the postgame comments yesterday and on social media, uh, Legere saw all of that. And I know that despite this, um, this unfortunate circumstance that he'll never forget, um, he does appreciate what the fans – the coaching staff, and the players did for him. Yeah, he, he did. He felt it from the kingdom, Chiefs kingdom, and all the fans and everything else as well. Coming up next, though, on the Nate Taylor Show, we'll take a look at the, the biggest game of the year. I mean, we often say this, biggest game of the year. <laughs> this truly this is, is it. the biggest game of the year on a short turnaround where the coaches have already begun preparation. Both Spags and uh, Biennemi admitted that they had assistance and everything, yes. kind of putting the game plan for the start. I thought they were overlooking the Raiders. They certainly weren't doing that, but they did have people trying to diagnose what this Chargers team is all about because that's how important this game is on Thursday night. We discuss that next. You're listening to The Nate Taylor Show, Monday nights at 7 on your official broadcast partner of the Kansas City Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio. This this guy, uh, I I am, every time I turn the tape on, I'm amazed at how good he is. Accurate. He's big. He's athletic. Really smart. I mean, he does. He's the whole package. I think, you know, I, it's been a while. Um, I mean, I have a lot of respect for Derek Kawa. We did a good job yesterday. But this guy um, is going to be a real challenge for us. Um, and I, I know our guys are, uh, expect that. Uh, he makes that whole thing go. This is one of the elite quarterbacks, in my opinion. There's Steve Spagnola called him one of the elite quarterbacks. Justin Herbert just a little while earlier today. No words. Calls him elite there, and clearly we know the stakes in this game. Obviously, the mm-hmm. Chiefs have been playing well. Well, the Chargers have just kept themselves in it. Yep. They've had that got some they should have lost. The common <laughs> opponent, which is nice, that they, they, they lost to the Cowboys, and the Chiefs beat the Cowboys. So yes. that's one of those nice games in there. Cleveland couldn't get the job done against L.A. Although they ran all over them. The Chargers' second-worst run defense in the yes. NFL. They still gave a lot of rushing yards yesterday to the Giants. And I get it was the Giants with Mike Glennon. Right, it was a little bit different than Chiefs with Daniel Jones again, but they got the job done. It doesn't matter. Thursday night's game is the only thing that matters. They're at home. They're playing at SoFi. They don't have to get on a plane. They don't have to travel anywhere. The Chiefs do. 
And last night, the you know the mood was, yeah, we'll celebrate this one. It's over. Yes. Marty used to have that midnight rule. That midnight rule was all done <laughs> late afternoon. It might, yeah, it might have been like seven, like right after yeah, dinner. It was <laughs> it was back to the drawing board for the Chiefs and getting ready because, of course, they got to have that travel day to go out to Los Angeles. But, you know, earlier in the season, you know, the, the Chargers were the darling team. A lot of people like them nationally. And I remember Monday Night Football and watching Brian Greasy saying the AFC West runs through these guys, runs through Justin Herbert. They didn't look so good for the Chargers. They started losing some games they probably shouldn't have lost, but they did. Mm-hmm. And you're thinking, all right, the Chargers are charging. But Thursday night, Nate, Chiefs and Chargers. Chiefs have dominated this series. Again, seven last ten. And you can put an asterisk by that one at the end last year because uh-huh. Chiefs didn't have their starters. Right. But they did come in Arrowhead, and they beat the Chiefs. Chiefs turned the ball over four times there. But uh, – they didn't have a lot. Chiefs didn't have a lot of their players on defense playing against yes. defense is completely different looking than what that one was. Yes. So let let's just review the tape real quick, okay? And um, I I know for Chiefs fans, it's like, hey, uh, do you have to remind me about all the all the poor things that happened in September? Well, this is for contextual purposes. Um, it was week three. The Chiefs were you know coming off of a uh, you know. Sloppy fourth quarter against the Baltimore Ravens. You think, okay, that's a one-off. That's fine. The problem was, Jay, um, Melvin Ingram, who we discussed earlier, was not on this team. He was a Pittsburgh Steeler at the time. And let's make no mistake about it. He would like to beat the Chargers. Uh, yes. He will He will be highly motivated. Yeah. Um, now, Willie Gay, who I think is the Chiefs' best linebacker, their most athletic linebacker, he did not play. Uh, let's look at the third level. Well, Traverius Ward had a quad injury that flared up on him during that week of practice, so he did not play. Uh, Daniel Sorensen was a starter. Juan Thornhill wasn't. Uh, and look, I don't, I don't think um, I will double check this, but I don't think Frank Clark played in this game. I believe it, it was he, in the midst where the defense was playing really bad. Yes, so he was dealing with his hamstring injuries. He played in Baltimore. Uh, has alluded to it uh, in recent weeks that he came back too soon. They sat him down for the Chargers game. And it was really up to Chris Jones to try to be the one-man wrecking uh, havoc on Justin Herbert. That did not work. Uh, Give credit to the Chargers in this way. They did go forward on fourth down a couple times, especially in the fourth quarter, and they succeeded, and they scored 16 points. Because their mindset was, after the game, is we have to score because we know what 15 can do. The whole mindset was 100% they were worried about Mahomes. Yeah. So we've given our listeners five clear examples of why the defense was the way it performed that day and and why they should perform much better, and they're a completely different unit now, one of the best uh, defenses in football. You could argue that the best defense in football right now is probably New England and that the Chiefs are somewhere in that two to three category, uh, just depending on your preference and the statistics that you look at and and sort of give weight to. Um, But this defense is different now. It's going to be a great challenge because uh, Herbert – can throw the ball downfield, and the Chiefs have done a very good job of late, Jay, of limiting deep completions or giving up chunk plays. Uh, And the Chargers sort of feed off that, uh, much like the Chiefs' offense does. And then these are the games where you really, really, really appreciate having one of, if not the best quarterback in football. So everything that Steve Spagnuolo said earlier about Justin Herbert that we played – you could say that and more about Patrick Mahomes, who's already won a Super Bowl, who's already been a league MVP, who has taken the team to back-to-back Super Bowls. He's never lost the AFC West as of yet. 
Um, and so Patrick Mahomes will tell you he was not his most accurate. Obviously, there was the pass that bounced off of Marcus Kemp's shoulder pad that was a little behind him. And there was that That was the start of everything. Yeah, that was there was a third down scramble drill where he thought Kelsey was gonna widen out on his sort of scramble route. Kelsey flattened instead. That led to the uh game deciding interception that the Chargers then used to uh ensure their victory. And so all we're here to say is is that I think one team has stayed relatively consistent, and that is the Chargers. And the Chiefs are the team that is improved over the course of the season. As we mentioned earlier, their weaknesses have been minimized as we've moved along here into the November and December stretch of the season. I'm just fascinated in what the Chargers will try to exploit, knowing that the holes aren't going to be as big as they were before, especially on the defensive side of the ball. And some of the things you're saying there, we know about that experience and everything. Steve Spagnuolo kind of echoed a lot of that. Mm-hmm. The defense wasn't playing the same. He said this today. You know what? Obviously, there's you always want to yeah. have an opportunity to take games back. But I will say this. That game was probably a valuable learning lesson for us. Because, first of all, it just goes to show you, when you take the little things for granted, how things can come back and bite you right in the tail. And so one thing that we focus on, I think we've done a great job of, and we have to continue this, is protecting the football. If we protect the football, we're giving ourselves a chance. On top of that, if we eliminate the penalties, we're giving ourselves a chance. So I told our guys throughout the course of this year, you know, although we've had these tough losses, if we handle it the right way by learning and focusing on the fundamentals, it could be beneficial for us later on. And it's starting to pay dividends. Yeah, that was Eric Bien, I mean, not Spags and said yeah, learning yeah. experience. But they, uh, Spags kind of alluded to the same thing. Mm-hmm. But EB laid it right out there. You use it as a learning experience not to make those mistakes. And, you know, I know they had the eight penalties yesterday, but they they were 14th in the league going into that game. They had, I know we see Trey Smith holding penalties once in a while. Yeah. But they weren't doing too bad. The best news is 23 takeaways, now 23 giveaways, plus zero, plus or minus. And the fact the Chiefs allowed seven points in week nine, um, week 11, 13, and 14, the first team since the 14 Seahawks to allow fewer than 10 points four times in a five-game span. That was the Legion of... uh, Are you saying the Legion of Boom and the Chiefs have... I'm just saying. And I know Ron Parker was here for a while from that Legion, but... Wow. I mean, just the Legion of Boom. I mean, I saw that stat too, Jay, and it kind of blew my mind because I was like... Zoom and boom? The offense? I mean, Cam Chancellor. I mean, they had... Earl? uh, Earl. I mean, they just... I mean, Sherman, they had dudes. And, uh, hey, Tyron Matthew, Frank Clark, Chris Jones, Melvin Ingram... Young spry really gay. Just saying. For now at least, uh they are doing Legion of Boom type things. Um to to Eric Bienemy's point, and I wonder how much of this will be said amongst the Chiefs and their and their coaches this week is it's a valuable lesson because now you get to apply it, right? This is this is the opportunity to do it against the same opponent. So where, hey, it's not just, hey, we learn that game and we move on because it's a long season. No, no, no. This is the division. Uh, this game has huge significance in terms of uh, who will be able to be on serve, right, following this game. There's three games left after Thursday night. If the Chargers win, they will have had the tiebreaker. They will have leveled themselves with the Chiefs in terms of record. And all the Chargers have to do is, is either win out or just hold serve. If the Chiefs lose... They can afford a loss. 
If the Chiefs win, all they have to do is hold serve and win themselves, and they will have a guaranteed home playoff game in SoFi State. Texans, Broncos, and Raiders await the Chargers. Yeah, not not a not a not a tough challenge. Not not a not you know that journey looks real nice along the Pacific Coast. Yeah, in terms of in terms of what is available to they're not really you're not really going through woods or mountains or treacherous um you know forces amongst them uh as we sort of look toward the end of this regular season but now they have the lessons now they can apply them and the chiefs can tell themselves hey yes the chargers from a technical standpoint beat us by this score amount in early September. But they can also tell themselves, too, when they sort of mention it after that game, Jay, we beat ourselves. All right, well, can the Chargers beat the Chiefs uh, and don't have that second question become part of the equation? If but, they do beat them, how, they doing it? how would you see them doing it? The Chargers probably going to need turnovers. <laughs> I mean, they're, they're so probably got to get back into that, then. And, and I, when I mean turnovers, I mean with an S. Like, they'll probably need multiple turnovers – uh, Justin Herbert will have to be just as good as he was in a you know pretty loud arrowhead in September uh, where he was excellent. You know, Mike Williams will probably have to have a big game because we don't know what's going on with Keenan Allen. Austin Eckler is dealing with, you know, yeah. kind of banged up right now. Rashawn Slater. We Rashawn don't know Slater, yeah, we don't know if he's going to play. Um, and for whatever reason, the Chiefs would have to just kind of have a game that, that mirrors what occurred earlier. Um, because this is in a dome, because this is in a controlled setting, I can see Patrick Mahomes having a game very similar to what he did against the Oakland Ra- against excuse me the Las Vegas Raiders in Vegas, where he threw for five touchdowns and 400 yards. Um, it's it it's very capable, um, but I think the Chargers will will have to have a good pass rush. They'll have to hit a turnover, probably two. They'll have to win the turnover battle, and then Herbert's going to have to make big time throws because as we mentioned earlier, this secondary is is much better now. Uh, Juan Thornhill is 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 rangy. Obviously, Tyron Matthews is going to have his eyes on Herbert to, to try to get got an some snaps there around 40 percent, forty fifty percent. That's yep, what his for range. Is. He's yeah. starting to work his way back mm-hmm. in. And look, the Chiefs are playing a little bit more man coverage with two high safeties themselves, so they'll try to limit the big plays. Uh, it's an exciting game. I, I can see they're going to have to because Herbert likes launching. It. He really does. I, I can see it going uh, either way, but. In a lot of in a lot of sense, it comes down to turnovers and the decision making from the quarterbacks. You know, if both the opponents, if both defenses are saying, "Hey, we're going to play too high, nothing's going to get over our heads," you're going to have to nickel and dime us. You're going to have to be methodical. You're going to have to be surgical with your decision making and your accuracy. Um, it could be a game where which quarterback can execute that to the highest level. Is it a guy in Patrick Mahomes who's starting to show more and more that he's capable of doing that, or is it Justin Herbert who? Still, you know, wants to, you know, I think Mahomes is, you know, I mean, he's older, he's mature, he's been through more games where he's had to uh, be judicious with his ability to create explosive plays. Uh, I'm fascinated in what Herbert will be presented from the Chiefs and if he's willing to be disciplined and accurate and, and, and win the game in the non-highlight way he did against the, the New York Giants. <laughs> I mean, the Giants game, he just realized, oh, I can just throw the ball 40 yards and kind of yeah. get away with it. You know, well, He was did going downfield a little bit more yesterday. It was mm-hmm. good to see 20-24 uh, yesterday for Mahomes. I will say this, Chiefs are 6-0 and when they win the turnover battle. They're 3-4 and 
when, it, when it's even or it's a negative turnover ratio. So clearly, I know coaches say it all the time, don't turn the ball over, you win the games. That is real. Yes. <laughs> the City Chiefs with an asterisk. By the way, if you have a question for Nate Taylor, hit us up on the J Southland Toe Service text line, 913-576-7610. We'll look at this wild uh, AFC playoff picture. And if the Chiefs can get that number one seed, we'll discuss that next. You're listening to The Nate Taylor Show, Monday nights at 7, on your official broadcast partner of the Kansas City Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio. Welcome back to Nate Taylor Show. Give Nate a follow on Twitter, at ByNateTaylor. What are you working on uh, this week? Oh, I'm a little uh, nice about the... Oh, excuse me. Something um, something related to Steve Spagnuolo and his affinity for blitzing. Uh, have well, he you does no- like that. Have you noticed, Jay, that when the Chiefs blitz, they're not giving up touchdowns as uh, much? They even, bring, they even bring secondary in on it. Yeah. They bring everybody. I, he, he, loves, he loves blitzing LeJarrius Sneed and... Tyron Matthew, and all, all of a sudden, here comes Ben Neiman. Um, so the Chiefs defense, you know, I'm trying to um, obviously look at why they're having this incredibly remarkable stretch of play. And, and one of the key ingredients is uh, they used to blitz out of necessity because we ain't getting there with <laughs> just four. To now they're blitzing out of luxury, and it's putting teams on their heels and they're sort of dictating the pace and uh, been watching watching film, and hopefully that'll come out uh, ahead of Thursday's showdown. Really three teams with the chance at number one seed. New England's sitting in there right now. I mean, this mm-hmm. is a team. You look at teams that are getting better or worse, sliding backwards. You know, Tennessee's one of those teams kind of going backwards. Hang, until hang they're they hanging on. Yeah, <laughs> the schedule's favorable for them, yes. too. And then the Chiefs are the third seed. They played the Colts right now. Those Wiley Colts, the sixth seed right mm. now, if the playoffs uh, started today, that's who they would play. But Chiefs of New England, I, if you gave me a bet, Chiefs of New England of the field, kind of like the Tiger Woods bets used to have Tiger mm-hmm. in the field, it'd be Kansas City and New England for me. Yeah. and But can they get there, though? Because they need New England loss because they still got to play the Colts. They got to play the Bills again. I mean, the Bills going to be peskier now. They're going to yeah. be pissed that the Patriots yeah. completely fooled them. Well, I don't know how they fooled them. I mean, they <laughs> why the hell didn't they put a five-man front at some point? Because I, I you, you know, Nate, it was, it was one of those things because it kept bringing up that 1974 game mm-hmm. with Buffalo, the one, the two passes. Oh, I, I know. I went back and looked at that game. It was 1974, Jets and the Bills. It was in Orchard Park. It was in September, so you didn't have this. You didn't have the the elements. The weather. But I, yes. but I looked at the weather report for Buffalo that day because I was just curious what because Joe Namath was two of eighteen. <laughs> with three picks and Ferguson for the Bills over two is OJ Simpson that carried the load yes. for Buffalo in that game. But it was like uh, 47 mile an hour wind gusts, 41. There's a bit um, of rain early. So it was a high windy game because I was wondering because Joe how did how did it Joe was two of eighteen for three right. picks. So anyway, that's that's crazy. But do you see the Patriots slipping up to where the Chiefs could get that one seed? Now, let's assume the Chiefs win on Thursday. Okay. Every Chiefs fan should then root for Frank Wright, <laughs> Carson Wentz, and them boys in Indianapolis. Because I think I think the the Patriots are are probably most susceptible Saturday night in Indianapolis. I, I think the Patriots probably win the rematch against Buffalo, um, just because I feel like Bill Belichick has kind of always had the the Bills number. They've won 32 of 36 I mean, against it's... them. Well, actually, they were swept last year, so it changed a little bit. Yeah. But when Tom Brady was there, they'd won 31 of 35. With right. Them. 
And they have the Jags, which the mm-hmm. Patriots do, which, mm-hmm. you know. Chalk did with the Jags don't even got to travel. Yeah, I mean, but they finished at the Dolphins. And the Dolphins are one of those they, teams. They've always been frisky. They've been frisky for the Patriots. Yeah. And Because Patriots, Patriots lost to them by one point early in the season. Mm-hmm. But the Dolphins have always been the Ryan Fitzpatrick magic, but the Dolphins have yeah. always been that team. Would you would you like to know the, the Dolphins' very favorable schedule, Jay? Because it's it's something that maybe that maybe that week 18, you know, actually benefits the Chiefs. We always wonder, you know, going from 16 to 17 games, it seems odd. I don't know if like I mean, it makes sense for the league monetarily. Obviously, it keeps more teams invested into the postseason, and this may benefit both the Chiefs and the Dolphins because if you look at the Dolphins' schedule right now, they got the Jets, the Saints, the Titans, either or, and then they follow. They finish with the Patriots. So maybe the Dolphins in that Week 18 game will be playing for their playoff lives, uh, which will motivate them. I think for the Colts, the Colts are kind of in their own sort of <laughs> – December playoff games. Um, and then if you're a Chiefs fan and, and the Chiefs win on Thursday, um, I guess you need to root for Ben Roethlisberger and the mm. Pittsburgh Steelers because that may be the biggest threat right now to the Tennessee Titans, even though we feel like the Titans aren't the best team that they were or the best version of themselves that they were early in September into early October. And they won six. Those are the questions. Look at the Patriots. They played a terrible schedule. They're no good. Ah, uh, they beat the Chargers in Los Angeles. Their okay? defense, their defense is very, very good. Very and legitimate. They beat the Browns forty-five to seven, where the Chiefs struggled with the Browns the first week of the season. Yes, and they just beat the Bills in New York by throwing three passes. So, no, the Patriots are a good football team. Yes, don't, don't, don't ever, don't ever, don't ever doubt Bill Belichick's. I certainly am not. But look, but look, Jay. Reading Belichick, top five all time. All if time. Wins. I mean, the only coaches that matter in the AFC. All right, all right, Chargers. This is it. We'll podcast this out. Nate and I will reconvene on Monday to talk about the Chargers game and the Steelers game coming up after that. So we'll discuss a little bit of both. Big thanks to Nick Price producing the operation as always. Nate, enjoyed the show with you as always yes, as well. Yes, sir. We'll podcast this bad boy out. But uh, you've had those takes, and they've been burning all day, and you want to get them out. (laughs) Dusty Likens, Nick Price, Red Reaction, next.